Well, as we uh, turn to the message today, I, I want to ask you a few questions, and it's time to be honest and real together today, all right? So here's my first question is this, is how many of you have ever been disappointed or hurt or angered or confused by what someone else has said? Anybody in that boat? All right. I, th- I thought that might be the case. Now, conversely, how many, how many of you have ever been encouraged or helped or supported or blessed by the words that someone else spoke? Anybody in that boat? All right, okay. All right, now let's, let's take a, a step up on the difficulty uh, realm here and ask this question. How many of you have ever disappointed, hurt, angered, or confused someone else by your words? Right? Oh, hey, you're, you're an honest crowd today. And how many of you have perhaps ever helped or encouraged or supported or blessed someone else by the words you've spoken, right? Yeah. I think all of us have experienced that in life, and you carry wounds from the words of others, and you carry healing from the words of others. And others carry wounds from you. And they carry healing from you. I know that's true in my life. There's certainly been times, clearly times, that I've hurt others with my words. And I've had to go back and to say to them, hey, I'm sorry, please forgive me for that. And, and so all of us in the midst of life, that life is, consists of that, of our, our words and the power of those words. And perhaps we know this to be true as well. Maybe you were taught this by your parents growing up. Maybe you're being taught this by your parents right now as you are growing up, and that is this. It's not only what you say, but how you say it, right? That our tone uh, carries just as much power as the words we use. Now, according to a quick view of studies, it looks like we speak anywhere from 3,000 to 20,000 words a day. Right? That's quite a range, so you, you probably know where you're at in that range, right? If you don't know, ask somebody. Like, do you think I'm in the 3,000-word range or the 20,000-word range? And, uh, you know, a, a typical typewritten page, 12-point um, font, all that kind of, has about 500 words on it. So if you are in that 3,000-word-a-day kind of range, it's like you're, you're talking six pages a day, right? Uh, that's not maybe a whole lot. Uh, But that averages out to about 42 pages a week. Now, if you are in the 20,000-word-a-day range, it's like you're speaking a 40-page paper every day and about 2,100 pages a week, all right? So uh, the point is this, right? Our tongue is an incredibly powerful tool God has given us, and we use it a lot, right? We, We communicate a lot. And we need to realize today in our world of technology and so on, not only is it our words, but it's, it's what we you know, type out in, a, in a, a message. It's what we type in an email. It's what we put onto social media. I mean, there's, there's all manners of communication. Uh, we have some dear loved ones who are here today. They communicate by signing, right? As there's all kinds of ways that we communicate with each other, and we do that a lot. And the Bible describes our tongue, right? So in this... Uh, kind of representation of our communication, the tongue. And, and the Bible speaks of one of the smallest parts of our body, right? Our tongue is an incredibly powerful tool that God has given to us. And, and in James chapter 3, uh, James speaks, and we're not going to go there specifically today, but I just want to allude to this because it's, it's so particular to this. But in James 3, he's talking about the tongue, and James uh, uses three analogies to refer to the power of the tongue. It says, first of all, it's like a bit in the mouth of a horse, right? Here, this small little bit turns the horse as it goes. Imagine that. And then like the rudder of a ship, 
Right? This massive ship can be turned by something that is much smaller in size compared to the size of the ship. And our tongue is like that rudder. Our tongue is also like a spark that can set a whole forest on fire. So those analogies are really powerful us to think about, that communicate the power of the tongue. And so today's message is intended to be a reminder that the words that flow from your mouth have amazing influence on others, either for good or for bad. Proverbs puts it this way in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. Those who appreciate the value of the tongue and the words that are spoken, they will eat of its fruit. Right? They will live in that joy of it. Likewise, Proverbs 12, verse 18 says this, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The sword, the thrust of a sword versus the power of healing. You see the contrast of how our tongue can be used in life, how our communication can have such effect for good or for bad. And so our study of Proverbs today is along this line of the theme of God's wisdom on speech. If you're new with us today or tuning in online for the first time, we've been walking through various themes of the book of Proverbs and and looking at them within the whole counsel of the Word of God. So we're talking about speech today. Now, before we get to some more of the the value of, of and the contrast of how our tongue can be used, I want us to consider something. Jesus taught something that is very sobering and very revealing about our tongue. It is foundational to our understanding of this topic today. In Luke chapter 6, Luke records this about the life of Jesus and what he preached and what he spoke. In verses 43 through 45, Luke says this, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasures produces evil. Then Jesus says something here that is really, I think, interesting in this whole context, because he's not talking about words specifically. Uh, He's talking about the fruit, which you tend to correlate with action in life. But listen to what Jesus says. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now to go just a bit further in this teaching of Jesus, Matthew records kind of an additional point with this. And this isn't a conflict of the Bible like some would like to say. This is an understanding of how the Gospels complement each other to give us a full picture of the life and teaching of Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37, these won't be on the screen for you, but just listen to these words that, that Matthew includes as well in this teaching of Jesus. He says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's really serious business. To think that on the day of judgment, we stand before Christ, that our words will be so significant. Why is that the case? Because it's not just about our words. It's about our words reflecting what is true of our hearts. So God's wisdom on speech says this, that your words are a reflection 
of your heart. Your words are a reflection of your heart. And that's a big deal because when the Bible references your heart, it's talking about the very core of who you are. Some refer to it as the inner person or the inner man. And what we know about the heart, we've already examined a bit in Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, a wonderful truth of, of wisdom that Solomon gave to us here. He says, keep your heart with all diligence or vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. So what is the heart? The heart is the very core of who you are. And what Jesus taught and what the Bible declares for us is, you want to know what's going on in here? Listen to what's coming out of here, right? Because what comes out of the mouth is a reflection of what is true of your heart. So if you think you're one way, but your words show another, Jesus says your words are the measure, right? So that's, that's some really sobering truth for us as we contemplate our speech today as followers of Jesus, our words are like a mirror of our heart as we examine what we say and how we say it. It's like a, holding up a mirror to the depth of our soul. So we're not just talking about the words you use, right? Today's message, I want you to hear this. Today's message is not about, you know, us speaking more eloquently, about us using, uh, you know, better grammar, about us maybe expanding our vocabulary a little bit. No, today's message is about something more. Today's message is, is, is a time for us to seek the fact that your life aligns more with the heart of God. That's the desire, right? This is about loving Jesus more. It's about loving Jesus with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength like, like we've been commanded to do. And your life aligns with the heart of God more so that you surrender more and more of yourself to what glorifies God. So that you truly love the ways of God. And as your heart, your love for Him grows, then you will see a change of what comes out of your mouth. This isn't about trying to change us from the outside in. It's about changing us from the inside out. And so a message about speech is really a message about loving God more. That's what it's about. Because if you think it's about what you say, I say, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to watch what I say. Um, you know, I, I, I know I shouldn't use swear words. I'll, I promise I'll do better. I know I shouldn't be so harsh with the kids. I'll do better. I, I know I can be too critical of others at work. I'll do better. I know I shouldn't lie to my parents. I'll do better. This isn't about doing better with our words. This is about loving God more with our life with our heart, with our soul, with our mind and our strength. And as we love him more, it shows in what we say. Now, as we think about what we say, I, I realize in our world sometimes who we are around influences how we talk, right? Uh, maybe I see this a bit more than you do by virtue of my role as a pastor. When people find out I'm a pastor, I uh, always uh, hear them kind of change what they say, right? Uh, so maybe it's more true of me than it is of you. But I think to some degree, all of us, if we look at it honestly, what we say, how we say it, is impacted by who we're with. 
We may talk one way with a certain group of friends. We may talk this way with others, right? We may talk a certain way when we come to church. We may talk another way when we're at home, right? We, we realize, but here's the deal. Our mindfulness in the midst of that is about who we are with. And if that's, if that's the, 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 the thing that causes you to change the way you talk, then what you are doing is living out of a heart of the fear of man, right? Which is sin. If you change the way you talk simply because of who you are around, it's just saying, well, I want them to think well of me, right, or whatever it may be. And so you're living out of the heart that says, I, I fear man, and so I'm going to change my way so that they think well of me. Friend, that's pride. That, that's selfishness. That's living out of a, a heart of the fear of man. It's living out of sin. What ought to be on our minds is what God thinks about what we say, regardless of who we are with or regardless of what circumstance we're in, Right? Because the Proverbs say this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not the fear of man, not the fear of humanity, right? Not the fear of those around us. That's not the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, our growing in this understanding of who God is and how amazing he is and the credible truth of the gospel that, that, that God has lavished his love upon us, that his kindness has meant that we have been led to a point of, of repentance. And so it's, it's about loving him, not just about what we say. So here's how I've framed these points today. For one who is loving God in an increasing manner, right? words will be used for, and I have seven of these that we'll talk through uh, a bit briefly today. For one who is loving God in an increasing manner, words will be used for honor versus destruction. Okay? That's one category we see come out in Proverbs. God's wisdom displayed for us here. Here's some verses to describe that. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Right? To, to speak honorably to someone, to, to speak in a way that encourages them, makes one glad. Chapter 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Speaking honorably, softly to someone turns away wrath. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, a, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Speaking honorably to each other brings life. Chapter 16, verse 24, gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Right, so for someone who is growing in their love for God, and, and, and to that point, just remember, we're all in different points in this journey of, of walking with Jesus, right? I mean, some of you are new believers. You're just trying to figure this out and what it means to be a Christian. Some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. There's a whole range in between. So as we grow in our love for God, as we grow in understanding, gracious words are like a, like a honeycomb, right? We, we know that as we appreciate more and more the grace that God has shown to us, we will speak graciously to those around us. And it's like a sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Chapter 25, verse 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. So as a followers of Christ, the more we grow in our love for God, we see that we will speak more and more honorably to one another. Second of all, our words will be used for truth versus lying. Proverbs chapter 8, there's kind of a 
few verses here that speak of this as uh, when wisdom is personified in these verses. And so this is speaking of God's wisdom here. It says, Here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips, wisdom's lips, right, will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, wickedness and is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous, and there is nothing twisted or crooked in them. So when we pursue the wisdom of God, when we pursue living in accordance with his word, then, then that wisdom is what fills our minds, and that is what flows from our hearts and our mouths. Chapter 12, verse 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. A little further in chapter 12, verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Chapter 17, verse 20, a man of crooked heart does not discover good, and one with a dishonest tongue falls into calamity. In chapter 24, verse 26, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips, right? The joy of, of an honest answer. And speaking to that point, chapter 26, verses 24 through 28, says this, Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who, rolls, uh, who starts its rolling. And a lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. So truth versus lying, right? One who is growing in their love for God will increasingly love truth and desire to speak truth. A third trait of one who is loving God more is that their words will be used for protecting versus gossip and slander. And let's be mindful here, gossip is speaking of someone when they're not present. That's kind of a, a basic definition of gossip, right? To speak of someone when they're not present. And a, and a category of gossip would be slander, which is expressing negative things about someone who isn't present. Not only do you talk about them, but you speak negatively about them. And Proverbs has much to say. Here's a few verses. Proverbs 11, verse 13, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered, right? Protecting, keeping something covered when it's needed to be covered, right? Revealing it when it needs to be revealed. There's a point of which truth needs to be known, right? But there's also a guarded spirit in which we protect others. Chapter 17, verse 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. So here's some question perhaps you can ask yourselves about gossip, of whether or not you should share something about someone else who's not present, whether even in a not-so-bad-light or in a slanderous way. Ask yourself, does this person, the person I'm wanting to share this with about someone else, right? does this person really need to know in order to prevent harm or build someone up in love? What is the potential hurt to the person being discussed? And thirdly, what is my real reason for passing this along? Is it love for the person discussed and for the here, right? What's my motivation when wanting to share this with, with this person? 
Someone who's growing in love for God will seek to protect those around them rather than be a gossip. Chapter 20, verse 19 says this, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Right? That verse tells us, hey, at some point, you just have to even stop associating with them. In other words, protecting someone is not only that you don't talk about others unnecessarily, but also, right, you also don't hang out with those who do. If you have some friends who have a habit of gossiping and slandering, then maybe there's a time for you to consider, do I spend as much time with them because of that? And in a loving way as a friend, what I would encourage you to do is graciously and truthfully approach that friend and say, hey, here's what I observe. You talk a lot about other people, and oftentimes in a negative way. It's not honoring to Christ. I would encourage you to repent of that. And let's together, right, choose to love God more by, by being careful of what we say. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9 say this, Open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all who are destitute, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. So by a way of protecting, it's not only about gossip and slander, but it's about using our words to to protect those who cannot protect themselves. To use our words to bring about justice and, and righteousness that God desires it. Protecting. Number four. For one who is loving God in an increasing manner, words will be used for honesty versus flattery. Flattery, meaning smooth talk, meant to deceive or meant to get something for oneself. Right? You flatter someone out of hopes that they will give you whatever you are seeking. Right? The, the motive is selfish. You may compliment them, but what's the true motive of your heart? You're complimenting them so that they might give to you whatever you're seeking from them. Maybe it's even just their friendship because you're, you think you know they're a, a popular person or someone well-liked, and so you're seeking their friendship. So you flatter them in order to maybe even gain their friendship. That's, that's flattery. But honesty is something that is kind of a, a trait that is opposed to flattery. We, we speak honestly to each other. Proverbs 29, verse 5 says, a, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Right? You spread a net because you're trying to, to gather for yourself. Chapter 28, verse 23, whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor. Meaning if we speak honestly to each other, if we speak truth to each other, encouraging one another in grace and truth, right? If we speak that truth to each other, there's more favor to be found in that than there is in the flattery of our tongue. So speaking honestly will be a trait of someone increasing in their love for God. Number five, words will be used for careful and wise advice versus reckless advice. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. 18, verse 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame, right? Do we... Do we Think we know the answer, so we just quickly give advice. Is it rather reckless before we listen, really, to what the circumstance is or what the situation is? In chapter 17, verse 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. 
When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent, right? So this speaks to the value of being careful, even for someone who is a fool, yet keeps silent. There's wisdom in that, right? So being careful and giving wise advice rather than reckless advice. A sixth trait of someone growing in their love for God, their words will be used for humility versus boasting. Chapter 27, verse 2, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. As you grow in your love for God, you will find the need to talk about yourself and your accomplishments less and less, right? You're growing in humility. You're realizing, man, you know what? Anything I've accomplished in life is all because of God anyway, right? So who am I to boast about my, my, my accomplishments or my things or whatever it may be? Like, it's all from God in the first place. So you, 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 you increase in humility, realizing everything we have comes from God. If any manner of boasting comes, it's from others, not of yourself. And a seventh trait For one who is loving God in an increasing manner, words will be used with restraint. With restraint. Proverbs 10.19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. So for those of you that are 20,000 a word day people, just be careful, all right? But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Just realizing, yep, the more we talk, the more opportunity there is, right? For sin to happen. So use words with restraint. Chapter 17, verse 27 Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. So restraint, careful consideration of what we say, realizing, as Matthew told us, the teaching of Jesus, that on that day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. So don't speak carelessly. Use restraint. I love what Ecclesiastes 5.2 brings into this as well, speaking of restraint in our relationship with God. This is Ecclesiastes, of course, another uh, book written by Solomon, we believe, and um, the wisdom that is in it. um, He says, Do not be, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Right? Just realizing in our relationship with God, this wonderful and beautiful opportunity we have in what we call prayer, right? To have conversation with God, to talk with God. Man, we have to be mindful of who we are speaking to. Even though the Word of God tells us we can boldly approach the throne of God with confidence, right? Because of the way that Jesus has provided through His death upon the cross, like we have opportunity to come before God in prayer. We don't need a, you know, we don't need a priest or a mediator any longer in that way. Like we can come directly to the throne of God, the Scripture declares to us. You are a child of God. You can come and you can talk to your Father, your heavenly Father. But may we do so with some manner of consideration of the words we use and how we approach God. Right? That we're careful to let our, 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 our speech before God be mindful of what is true of Him and not reckless. So using restraint in our words. 
Now, in conclusion, I like what Proverbs 10.21 says, just kind of in general terms. It says, the lips of the righteous feed many, but, soul, uh, excuse me, but fools die for lack of sense. The lips of the righteous feed many. Now, what's the feeding? We're not talking about stomach food, right? We're not talking about physical food. We're talking about the feeding of a soul. The lips of the righteous feed many. Friend, listen, as you think about your life and as you think about your words, is it that you are a person becoming someone who others want to be around because of the words, because you are full of grace and these things we have talked about today are the traits of a, of a righteous person, one who is growing in their love for God. Like when you walk into the room, are the people in the room thankful you're in the room because they know they're going to hear encouraging words from you or do they want to get up and walk out of the room because you've come into the room, right? The lips of the righteous feed many. Because what flows from your lips is really flowing from your love for God. And in that, there is grace and there is truth. There is love and mercy. I like what Ephesians 4.29 says as well. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. As fits the occasion. You know, there's a need for discernment in the Christian life. As you live each day, that you're seeking in, you know, the heart of God and discernment as to what every circumstance and every person you come across, what they need in that moment, what God would have you to speak into their life. As fits the occasion. What is it that's happening? What is it that would be a blessing to that person in the moment? What is it that would be encouraging? What is it that may be the truth that they need to hear? Just like I mentioned earlier, like if you have a friend who gossips a lot and maybe you're sensing like either I need to approach them in a gracious way, right, and speak truth to them, like that's good, like that fits the occasion, right, because you have a friend who's, who's living in a manner that's not honoring to Christ, and, and so to, to graciously seek to, to point that out in their life. What do they need in that moment? What fits the occasion? What fits the occasion for a friend of yours that just lost a loved one? Right? What, what fits the occasion in that? Maybe it's being silent in that occasion, Maybe it's not words at all. Maybe it's just your presence. You see, the Christian life is about, that's why we describe it as a relationship, because as this, this isn't just like a list of things you do and don't do as a Christian. No, this is about a relationship. And in a relationship, you seek the Spirit of God who is, is indwelling your life as a follower of Jesus, right? And, and you seek the Spirit of God to give you wisdom in the moment that the words that flow from your mouth will be exactly what God would have in it, so that those around you may receive the grace of God through you. Furthermore, I like what Colossians 4 says. I don't have a slide for you on this, but in, in, con in thinking about consideration of, of our relationship with those around us who are unbelievers, those who are not following Jesus, right? It says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, Make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Right? That's a great analogy because every single one of you knows what that's like. Some of you like salt in your food, some of you don't. But you know what salt does to food? 
right? Makes it more tasty. Hey, again, are you the kind of person that others just kind of like welcome into the room because they know your speech is going to be seasoned with salt? Or are you the kind of person that when you walk in the room, they want to leave? Let your speech always be seasoned with salt so that you may know, here again, discernment, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. As you relate, as you have friends with those who don't know Christ, like how do you relate with them? You, you pray and ask the Spirit of God to give you wisdom and what to say and when to say it and how to say it so that you may be a testimony to them, full of grace and full of truth. So, friend, this is... This is a huge topic because our communication, again, in our day and age, it's not just the words that flow from our lips, but it's, it's what we send in an email, it's what we post in a social media text, right? It, 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 it encompasses all manners of communication. What is it that we are exhibiting in that communication? Is it a heart that is increasingly in love with God and therefore reflecting what is of God? Or is it of self and our sinfulness? So we must be careful in what we say and how we say it. As a follower of Jesus, one who is growing in our love for God, you want to speak truth and speak life-giving words, words that proclaim the beauty and the glory of Jesus, words that honor others, not tear them down, words that build them up, Words in pursuit of peace, not destruction. And words that give hope and not despair. Amen? May the Spirit of God give to us strength in that pursuit. Let me pray for us and we'll finish with a song. Father, we love you. We thank you today for your kindness toward us. Thank you for your word. Lord, in talking about words today, we acknowledge your word, the Holy Scriptures, that which you have given to us. Lord, to reveal yourself, to teach to us truth. We thank you for your wisdom, O Father, that is in the pages of Scripture. I pray that we find ourselves regularly submitting to it, learning, growing, and understanding, increasing our love for you and appreciation of your love for us. Your word tells us we love because you first loved us. So, Lord, I pray that we be a people who fall in love with you more and more. And as we do, may that be reflected in what we say and how we say it. We need you, Father. Thank you for giving to us your Holy Spirit to give us that discernment, to give us that wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.